hamster with a blunt penknife would do it quicker. Hello and welcome back to a hamster with a blunt penknife. Uh, I've dried up. I'm sorry, Joe. Help me. Throw me around. No, no, it's fine. It's fine. Um, yeah. Hello. Yeah, welcome back. Sorry. We're talking about Doctor Who, and uh, my name's Rob. He's Joe, and it's um, it's the greatest show in the galaxy. And yeah, does that win an award for the worst intro? Oh, could it? Could it? Could it? Could it? Oh, no. Oh, no. 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 Oh, no. I, I, you should have heard me when I, when I first started trying to say a hamster with a blunt pen knife. I had a few mishaps. I've got to say, when you when you appear on my my personal podcast app of choice, it just says hamster with a blunt, which I just find endlessly <laughs> hilarious. <laughs> the amount of people I've made say this ridiculous bloody title to as well. It's, it's very it's a good, it's a it's a great title. It's it's all yours. Yes. Well, I, I tried to think of something memorable, and then to have a song about it as well is just ridiculous. Yes, but anyway, sorry, dear listeners, this is hamster with a blunt pen knife. He's Joe. I'm Rob. That was a terrible introduction, but just so you know where we are, that's where we are. We're having a marvellous time talking about this. I was just worried they were confused because I feel the wheels are coming off now and it's my fault. So not at all. Not at all. Do you know, I have a point to make about Sylvester McCoy. And I've often said, um, and I disagree with myself now, but I've said a few times that I think McCoy is a stronger performer than he is actor you're both right you're both right i I think he's more comfortable when he's performing than when he's acting because i think sometimes he he, he's a i'll call him a dangerous actor because you never quite know what you're going to get with him and sometimes he can go over a cliff and sometimes he delivers magnificently that's what he is i think he i can't i can't take my eyes off him yeah He's my doctor. He is my doctor. Um, but I, you know, I think in episode four of The Greatest Show in the Galaxy, I think he is, it's his most comfortable performance in his entire run. And that is because he gets to do what he does best. He goes out in that ring <coughs> and he gets to perform. And I think he's just incredible. He's phenomenal. And this is, um, I know you'll ask me later, because I've heard this podcast before, um, why people should go out and listen to this <laughs> I'll save it for then. I'll save it for then, because otherwise I'll have run out. Anyway, yes. And yeah, literally- I haven't touched a drop, by the way. This is, this is just me at 10 past nine of an evening, every evening. So... You said to me there's something you object to in this episode as well. Oh, there is. When we get what that's going to be. Okay. It's not I object to. I I just kind of think it needs a bit of fine tuning. But anyway, we'll get get to it. Okay. Well, let's go then, shall we? I'm going to count us in. In five, four, three, two, one. I I love this. I love this. Everybody actually watches them along with listening to this i think they just listen to them i don't think there's anyone out there that i i, I couldn't yeah because we, we're doing that thing we're not talking about the episode properly we're, this, is, this is a I, i've turned this into a terrible commentary but it's a fun chat so yeah <laughs> i'm not sure if there are ever proper commentaries you know not in the accepted well have you listened to any of the the actors doing the commentaries on these things they just go off on mad reminiscences Tom Baker. Yeah, well, it's you know, the, well, you know, the, the the show doesn't stop for these little diversions, and so, you know, the diversions are what it's all about. And I think as well, just taking in the context of the show as a whole, it makes the conversation more interesting too. 
Okay. Mags is turning into a werewolf. She is. <laughs> so I was just reading. I was just. I just. That's just me reading the captions. <laughs> I told you she was an unusual. Oh, this is where that clown is earning his fee. And there's a. Do you know? There's a shot in a minute that puts the wind up me every time I see it. It's a, a a whacking great zoom in on the little girl, and she looks up, and her eyes are green. Yes. Yes. Well, the fa- the family we haven't really talked about. It's, it's it's kind of easy to forget them in a way, but the family just a really great conception. Well, they, and they're they're used sparingly as well. Yeah, and is them because they're a they're a nineteen fifties family, aren't they? So are they like the visually they are the original BBC demographic. Kind of that's kind of the the vibe they give off even if the metaphor of them being the general public doesn't hold up i still i still think the fa- the gods of fans makes more sense to me Terrible. then again is is reading too much into these metaphors a good idea or should you just now listen have you ever read the book running through corridors no okay it was written by rob shimon and toby Hado, right oh, I'm, I'm aware of it i yes i, I do not, i know it yes, yes. clever men now they go back and they review doctor who um with uh, an eye for detail and reading things into things now toby haydoke uh says to terence sticks in one of these in one of the commentaries you know oh did, was this you know um the three stories you wrote here was this you know like a detailing the earth empire in the future and all of this all of this stuff that fans read into things and terence sticks turns to him and goes no we were just putting a show out fans they can read anything into anything it's what we love doing, isn't it? Well, exactly. And to, to be honest, you know, reading stuff into stuff is half the fun of watching anything. It's, you know, it's the world. This, and also, I, I do think that um, that Stephen White is very good at creating a sense of a wider world beyond the confines of the actual story. He's, he's very, he is, he's, um, he's kind of, you know, he's got that, um, I, was gonna say, I don't want to say he's got that Robert Holmes thing because it's not, it's like people talking about Holmesian double acts. I kind of, I kind of oh, fuck, he didn't invent the fucking double acts. <laughs> just, you know, Jesus Christ. It's a, it's a, it's a thing that you know, other writers do, to, did it before. Anyway, so it's not a Holmesian thing, but. That's the other thing Doctor Who fans do is writers, you know, make up cliches like that. Yeah, yeah. But, it's, but Stephen White's very good at building a, a universe beyond the story and i think his style of doing it's not too dissimilar from the russell t davis style either but there's a lot of there's a lot of early new who in the late in the mccoy period that just I, is, I really like in both great show in the galaxy and in paradise towers he details a lot of what's happened before we enter the story and then at the end in both stories he offers an optimistic future of what's to come you know? Yeah, and that's why I kind of think if I could change just one thing about this story, it's that Wizkid should live. And reasons you said in the last one. Yeah, but Wizkid should survive, and the, with the scales falling from his eyes about the circus, so he should have a you know he should come out of the story. Uh, no longer, no longer with stars in his eyes, but a, 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 with a mature, sober understanding. Some kind, some kind of um, loss of a loss of innocence, 
but a, but a gaining of wisdom. And I think it just really would be more optimistic for fans as well, because it, I don't know, ki killing Wizkid, yes, it might have been an exorcism at the time. It but feels it, very cynical, though, doesn't it? It feels it, well, it, it feels a bit nasty. Like, yeah, but it feels it feels like um, the beginning of the, you know, it feels like a show that knows it's on the way out rather than a show with a future. That's kind of. Which is because like this could have been a great springboard for things to come. Um, there was a shot of Mags there, um, in her like fluorescent paint in mm. stark lighting. Now, I think some of those, like you said, some of that blocking is really bad. I was watching that as he was kind of jumping about the set and that, and it's clear that they just don't have the space to shoot this how they would perhaps choose to. I, I think but, actually, yeah, you're right. I think it's the lack of uh, the set it having it in a big ring is the way spatially to prevent mags from just killing the doctor outright but the ring is too small yeah and so that the, the, therefore the scene no longer makes sense that she wouldn't just take three steps and kill him if they were if they were 15 20 feet apart it, and yet we, we, yeah here we are out on location ace is struggling with the bus conductor and this looks amazing it looks incredible yeah this is this this is the stuff that really sells it, the production the bus conductor who we haven't we haven't discussed is a fantastic monster so memorable the way the way he blows up in a second in slow motion is incredible <laughs> yeah you kind of think god you know goodbye ace say goodbye to your eardrums because that would have <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah i've got that um ace book that she read with uh wrote with mike tucker about the special effects and that they talk in length about this sequence Apparently, this, the debris from that bus control bus conductor was spread far and wide. This is this is a great era for this. Is this the era for explosions? It must. Be. Oh, it is. And do you it's, know what? Go and watch the Babel Color McCoy era tribute. Uh, he plays it to the music of. Oh, good grief! What is that film called? Uh, it's it's the film uh, the Great Outdoors. No, Mr. Where, Smith comes to Washington where the mother's taking drugs and she's having all the drugs. It's a really dark film. Uh, oh, Jaws, no, 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 Blade Runner, very controversial. But anyway, it's played to music <laughs> from this film that I can't remember the name of. Okay, um, and it <laughs> he does one explosion after another in this trailer, it's great, and it just goes like Remembrance alone is full of explosions, isn't it? What the but hell but is that this film one, this one, we'll get we'll get to the explosion in this one in a bit. Yeah. What's that? The oh the the explosion. The, oh, the, the, one the, where the he walks. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, this is creepy with these deep voices. We want more. See, that's a fan talking. That's not a general audience talking in my head. And notice how the chief clown just slips away from them. There, he knows they're on their way out now. Yeah, that's the thing. He is totally gone. No, I'm just one of the robots. That's kind of where you know, if I if I can, um, if I can uh, divest myself of my humanity as much as possible and just become a, a meat automaton, I might survive. Do you see the way he did the hand movement there as well? It was yeah, like, go and take them. But he looked a bit shocked, and now he's smiling. Yeah. Oh, he's so, he is so good. He really, he really conveys the interiority of a character who could other, who could, in the wrong hands, just be evil clown. Can you ask her a question for me? Because yeah. there's one plot point that I'm just not too sure about. So that eye that was on the bus, yeah, yeah. 
um, Deadbeat takes the, the pupil, doesn't he? Yeah. And then suddenly his, his mind's cleared. Yeah. Well, what's going on there? I don't know, but how's this? Okay, they're a hippie, they're a hippie circus back in the day. Yeah. This is this is all like this is what I get from the TV episode. This is what I get from the episode. They're a hippie circus back in the day, you know, you collect anks and you know, different other new agey paraphernalia. He comes across some kind of medallion or symbol, some kind of all-seeing eye thing. It's just a bit of a bit of it's just a, a fun hippie knickknack but it's got some kind of significance. He's curious about where it comes from. He comes to Saganax, where there are monuments to the gods of Ragnarok. He, he, he comes across the dark circus, as he calls it, when, once his mind is restored. He meets the gods of Ragnarok, these entertainment-craved deities, and that's the end of the circus. Mm -hmm. And that's it. If you want to ask me how the end makes sense, I can't, because I, I don't think it makes sense in a traditional logical sci-fi story sense it makes sense on a symbolic fantasy magical adventure sense i think i think in story terms we're, and this is and this is something that would be completely anathema for the sixth doctor and even the fifth doctor even though bidney's stuff is magic it's not science fiction it's magic yeah um but this just overtly mythological stuff is brand new for the seventh doctor and, and again, that's another reason why it's awesome. I, I, I live for this stuff. Look at him. This is a man who has commanded audience, yeah, audiences in his time. Yes, yeah. And he, yeah is yeah. just in his element here. And this, it's so. And they, the, again, the production design is great. They they look amazing. I love how they improvise in a minute because it actually started raining on location. So McCoy just gets his brolly out and just laughs. <laughs> oh, is that where that comes from? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, wow. Oh, he's Peggy Mount again. We haven't seen her since episode one. Yes, yeah, she's completely, she seems insulated from the danger because she's in no, she's not interested either way. So, and she seems to have been totally left alone. She's just a local. She's kind of like totally underneath their radar. It's just an interesting thing that's not commented on. It just seems to be some kind of fact. I think the gods of Ragnarok look, I mean, I'm clearly not made out of stone, but who cares? They look great. They look amazing. But I think we, uh, and yeah, and now we find out he's fought them all through time. And that he's now in their true space time. Is there one story this season where, oh no, Happiness Patrol, where we don't allude to the Doctor, you know, doing something back in time? Remember? No, yeah, yeah, yeah. This, this is, yeah, sense. yeah, this is, that's the exception. But you so entertainers or die. Now, here's my, I'm, we're coming up to my problem here. It's just a very mm -hmm. subtle one, but he entertains them. He's been practicing magic and they're not entertained and they're bored and irritated and they shoot bolts part, but they don't kill him. I kind of think it would, and that, that, that a bit like mags in the ring, like I'm wondering why he shouldn't just kill the doctor. This dramatically, I kind of feel that there's some, there's no reason for them not to, I think the way it might, it might have been, might've played better is if they want to kill the doctor, I'm, I'm going to, and they're going to, we're going to fucking kill you. But then he starts entertaining them and they just, can't not enjoy they want the entertainment more than they want to kill him and he's actually entertaining them so i kind of think that the scenes would have played a bit better if him entertaining them is the thing stopping them from killing him i think yeah i, 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 
And I think just that little subtle adjustment would have just, yeah, made it's it the fact that they, if, if, if like the first bolt they fired, that's when he's got, you know, the eye and he can reflect them, then that absolutely makes sense. But yeah, you're right. They fire one just over his shoulder, don't they? As if to say, you know, do better than that or you're going to die. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, so I, just, I, I do kind of think it feels, it's, it doesn't feel like padding. It just feels like there's a little emphasis. I'm almost willing to bet as well, you know, Ross, he's done better tricks than this in his time. Some of these tricks are a little bit Oh, like yeah. They're, 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 have, you, have you seen his um, kind of his Ken Campbell Roadshow era stuff where he's... I've seen a few clips on YouTube, yeah. Yeah, Sylvester McCoy, the, you know, the human bomb. And like, you know, but like, you know, tapping at the, the secret policeman's ball, where he's like tapping nails into his... Uh, into his nose and stuff like that it's great yeah you should have done Bear some of that stuff trousers i wouldn't have yeah yeah doing that honestly oh this seems marvelous the dude uh, it, when he dies doesn't he He like screams oh yes and this is an ace flat out kills him yeah yeah so your mags yeah. thing he works doesn't it i love that robot there's so many parts of this story that normally don't work at all in Doctor Who. Shit robots in our time, you know, but that robot's fantastic. Oh yeah, I think I think it's a, it's a brilliant script by Stephen Wyatt, and it's and the production values bring it to the screen. I just I think it's a really great great example of. And like Doctor. the first episode, I think this last episode has a real flow and pace to it as well helped again by the music um you know the bit where um he says you know this piece of metal and it belonged to a sword and that's what the hell is that all about again don't, don't i think the thing is don't look for any kind of bidmedian sense to it it's not it's not that kind of story it's the doctors come here expecting to find them he knows like with you know Fen later on with fenric he's you know he's met them before it's just in just in it's 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 symbolic and it's magical and it's 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 a merliny type situation it's not that kind of story it's not science fiction this this is this is this isn't science fiction this is fantasy it is total i've never seen him look campy you know when he's doing that little jig to the, <laughs> to the classical music yeah yeah and what they, and that's the thing they what they didn't realize is no he is fucking with you he is going to yeah, he's yeah. You're immortal, but he's going to kill you. You know, it's that trout thing, isn't it? Of like, he's actually a dark bugger, but he's playing the clown. You know? Yeah. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Exactly, exactly. It's um, and you can't take your eyes off him. That's the thing about this doctor. He's so full of energy, and he's unpredictable. And he and he's anarchic. The character, as played by the seventh doctor, is an anarchist, and he's played anarchically. It's wonderful. I, I, I do think as well there's something a little bit too neat about the fact that the second he needs that eye to deflect the rays that's when they get it to him you know oh yeah yeah and again you it's it's you have to kind of receive it in a it's 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 myth it's fairy tale it's not <laughs> it doesn't quite happen in uh in our sort of reality oh but um, um just in terms of with its many similarities with uh, Paradise Towers, because, mm -hmm. you know, they're both these wonderful uh, uh, places um, that have fallen to ruin because of some evil in the basement, mm -hmm. either lit literally or metaphorically. And everyone who was part of it has become corrupted. 
And in both stories, you have, you have with the chief caretaker and with Captain Cook, they both returned from the dead to perish in part four. And yeah, it's just it's he's got a, he's got a little formula going on as uh, Stephen Wyatt. And I, 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 I do like think it. I think Paradise Towers has a a neater in script terms a neater and more satisfying climax though it, yes all, yeah basically all those individual elements coming together their individual strengths then being used to bring down the villain I, absolutely and it's just about one thing this this story is about arguably it's about two or three different things paradise towers is about the effect of brutalist architecture social housing on communities the way it destroys it that's what it's about because because it's just about one thing it feels it's cleaner and tidier look at him hanging there honestly <laughs> but this in terms of the production is just oh, it's a bit of piece serving of yeah, yeah yeah but it, this is one of those ones that does always brings me back to imagining what paradise towers might have been like if it had been executed like this you know but this really shows how how behind the new idea of the show the production has become yeah it, crackling do i have your full attention <laughs> you're right they could literally have killed him at any point yeah and that but that's why i think him entertaining should, him entertaining them should be the thing that stops them from killing him but like um fenric i just imagine these you know great epic battles through time you know i think i think they get the mythology part right you know they they make it feel big exactly yeah and it's, it's interesting but never explored that they're the gods of Ragnarok, Ragnarok being the, the Norse twilight of the gods. Mm -hmm. Nord is based on Thor, the, the, the Marvel Thor. Nord in this is based on him. And obviously in the curse of Fenric, Fenric was the, the wolf who seemed to devour Yggdrasil, the world tree in Norse mythology. So there seems to be kind of a, a Norse mythological thing running through the Seventh Doctor era. It's just... Well, you know, Doctor Who at its best always pulls in, doesn't it, from other sources? Yeah, I, can't, I think it was. I think it was um, Richard Stone over on um, Flight Through Entirety said that um, Doctor Who is always at its most interesting when it's about other things, and he's right. Yeah, it's and that and that's totally the case here. And it's 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 always mo most fun when it's drawing its sources from other things rather than from itself. That's when it kind of disappears up its own backside. Richard Stone is a staggeringly intelligent man, you know. I, he really, I, I, yeah, he, I love, I love listening to him. There's another moment there that, when I was younger, watching this really frightened me, and that is when Captain Cook goes, "Oh, I am, my dear, I am." When she says, "Oh, but you were dead," there's just something. Oh, it's... yeah it's actually it's just in these scenes here where we get um we get the we get the backstory from kingpin and captain cook to various degrees sarcophagus face but, but yeah, um yeah you know <laughs> this was half past seven yes, <laughs> um but the whole kind of bringing him back from the dead that feels like a bit of a weird extra as well yeah i I'm always loath to. I I I do wonder if it's just that kind of one of those things that you do. Where oh well, I, I did. I suppose I did it in Paradise Towers. That, but that made more sense then. But what, I, the, I, yeah, I mean it's another parallel, isn't it? Yeah, but 
I, 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 I don't quite get why Captain Cook, why Captain Cook comes back at whose agency. It's, well, um, I do think that I can't point at any part of T.P. McKenna's performance and criticise. I think he's... It's T.P. McKenna. He's, he's brilliant. You know, yeah. For this. Well, yeah, but it's an absurd part, isn't it? But <laughs> Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. But, he, but, he's, but he's, he's having immense fun with it whilst at the same time delivering a proper, nuanced, well-thought-out performance yeah. do you know there's a very interesting parallel you can make here where you're talking about how they're committed to the production because at the end of frontiers do you remember when like there's all the stone in the tardis and the gravis starts having a bit of a breakdown yeah yeah and, it's, and it just all sort of vanishes and it looks a bit terrible in comparison this which is kind of similar what what's going on this is like it's all done in slow motion it genuinely feels like the place is falling apart yeah it does and also it's really helped by mark Ayres again yeah it's you know mark mark Ayres is re really holding a lot of this together i mean this is this is a model work is it this is all practical effects no, that's that's that's, that's i think that, that's them collapsing the set i think amazing and then look at that shot with the moon behind the the tent <sighs> And the explosion, your explosion's there. And that, yeah, that one shot is, that's the Seventh Doctor in one image. Or just walking calmly away from chaos. Yeah, the, of his, yeah, yeah, job, job done. <laughs> business concluded, arse handed, yeah. With a swagger, with his stick, unflinching. It's just, yeah, that's, that's him in one shot. And... For my money, this is it's one of those moments where it's like, yeah, this is this is as good as the show got. Now, this end scene, yeah, I, I like it very much. And I, like, I love how kind of optimistic it is. I feel like it just ends on a terrible joke. <laughs> it's not quite the the wicked moment at the end of Ghostlight, is it? It's um... it feels like it, it cuts at the wrong part. I don't know. It just feels a bit awkward. Yeah, it. it, it yeah it's it happens sometimes though when you're trying to end a script but it, it it doesn't quite have the grace notes that it could have done some i mean paradise towers ends with pex lives you know which is just yeah, yeah yeah this is maybe just lacking that but i kind of think the ending imagine just this ending had um had WizKid been also been there and had, had somehow played a part had, and had come out the other side no longer idolizing the psychic circus but would have been understanding it for what it was yeah yeah i think that would have worked really really well um well proper ended it's i know fun. well that listen you know how this works so i'm not gonna have to tell you but i basically need we're gonna have three apiece reasons why somebody should go and watch greatest show in the galaxy i mean we've talked about it in depth but let's summarize our thoughts you first then me and we'll go back and forth Okay, number one, it's a perfect, it's an exemplary piece of standalone Seventh Doctor. That is a great reason. Oh, I've got to be smart now, haven't I? Um, no, you don't. <laughs> I'm going to, no, I'm going to be a bit more obvious. I'm going to say the direction of Alan Waring, which is pacey. It's full of memorable set pieces. Uh, it's improvised, so that makes it even more impressive um I, I think this is one of the it, there are some awkward moments but in terms of memorable imagery memorable imagery try saying that drunk 
it's one of the best Doctor Who's. Back to you. It's one of the best Doctor Who's with one of the best ever scores by Mark Ayres. <laughs> Did I just say one of yours? No, no never mind. <laughs> Yeah, it's a fantastic score. Okay, then I am going to praise Sylvester McCoy to the high heavens because I can be quite critical sometimes and say this is one of his most confident performances in his run. Absolutely, yeah, yeah, he, he owns it in this one completely. It's me now, isn't it? Um, Ian Reddington is one of the great villains in Doctor Who, even though it's not the biggest of parts. What it is, is absolutely perfect in the piece in which it takes place. There we go. Yeah. And I, uh, for my very last one, I am going to say, oh, I want to make it a goodie. Oh, yeah. It's something that you talked about in episode one is I think um, it's, a, it's a perfectly chosen Doctor Who quarry, but like for once it just feels genuinely like an alien planet exotic and and vast yes warmwell quarry dorset really contributing to the production as one of the great alien landscapes in classic who is it the same quarry as survival i think it might be it looks so different in survival yeah 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 it does doesn't it it, 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 it looks like a different planet yeah wow i've got one more have i got one more is that oh, off you go no, no, do I have one more? Because I'm struggling. Yeah, as many as you want, you can keep going all night. Oh, well, it's, it's got... The, well, one thing we have is it's got the same bus as Delta and the Bannermen. It does all that, doesn't yeah. it? I don't know if a bus is particularly... You know, to seeing a bus used twice is, is much of a draw, but it's, it's a fact. Okay, well, and I'm going to say the... <laughs> this is so random. The extraneous robotic characters that occur throughout this story. Oh, do you know what? Yeah, you're absolutely right. Yeah, this is actor... Yeah. The, the robot that comes out of the sand and my favourite of all, the most expressive robotic clown ever committed to film. He is amazing. It's a good, it's a good robot story. It's a great robot story. And you got to remember in the 80s, they gave us that dreadful Terminus robot. We're not too far away from that awful <laughs> Federation security robot that was in Blake 7. I don't know if you ever watched that. I, I, I'm up to... I always caught them randomly on UK Gold, but I've been working my way through studiously since I I, I, had, I wrote one, The Big Finish. So I started, so I'm on, I'm on season C at the moment. Yeah, they do. Where it's all gone, it's definitely jumped the shark, but I'm still, I'm still, I'm persevering still. Have you hit Rumours of Death yet? That period, Rumours of Death, uh, Children of Hour on. Yes, I have. Yes, yes. Yeah. I think Rumours of Death is great. They're all, they're, oh, they're good. It's good stuff. It's good stuff. Although we are not doing the Blake 7 podcast, so I'm going to get us back on track. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, Rob, I can ask you this question because it's predetermined. Where are we going next? Which we, will we see next time? Do I feel really, really lucky in the, um, uh, of the, of the, with the choices you put before me. We having, we're leaving Seganax and uh, we're off to do some time uh, in Sharda. Oh. And I can't, I can't believe I'm getting to do Shada with you. That's, I'm so looking forward to that one. Can I let you tell a little secret? And people don't ever believe me when I say this, but I will uh, explain this in more depth when we talk about it. Sharda is my favourite of the three Douglas Adams stories. That's an interesting one. We'll discuss it at the time because I often think it's mine until I get to about episode five. But anyway, we'll, we'll, I'll keep my powder dry. I'll keep my powder dry because I think, yes. 
Well, that just leaves me to say thank <laughs> you very much for your time, Dave. This has been a fantastic commentary. Oh, it's been so much fun. Thank you for asking me on, man. It's been really good. And I will just say until next time. TTFN.